Knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Banana. Banana who? Banana. Banana who? Banana. Banana who? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Why do we come to church? To learn about Jesus and God. We come to church because we want to learn about God and um, so we have the experience just in case anybody questions our faith. We know how to go out and um, give them the answers. We come to church to be with our friends and to celebrate the gospel and the good news about Jesus. So we can learn about Jesus. To know about God. We come to church to worship God. What's your favorite part about church on Sundays? Uh, Sunday school. My favorite part is that we all get to um, we all get to worship and sing together. Probably children's worship when we sing songs. That we learn about Jesus. When we learn about God. My favorite part about church is probably singing the songs. Why do you think some of the adults help out on Sundays? Because my mom can't take care of all of us. Well, adults know more about Jesus than us, and they teach us about Jesus so that we can teach others about Jesus. Um, so the other teachers can have a break because they need some more help. They help um, get the whole church program together because if they weren't any adults, then a kid would probably be up there preaching and that probably wouldn't turn out very well. Oh, gosh, that's great. Um, we do need you to ask, hey, if you don't have a place to serve, we, we got all kinds of ways you can help us out and invest in the next generation. Hey, I'll give you a big win, man, that we had this week. Um, you know, churches post-COVID, we're just going to have to do it different. We're going to have to roll the dice and do things in a radically different way than we've ever done them, or you're just, it's just not going to work, and, and so we're forced to make all new inventions. And we tried something this week, and I love experiments, and Jenny Ross in Kids Ministry, uh, she rolled the dice and had us a, a music camp, you know, and we're like, I don't know if anybody's going to show or anything of like that at all. We had... Somewhere between 40 and 50 kids, we had 140, I think, parents that showed up. And from what we understand, a large part of them were in no way affiliated with Clearview. Friends, that's a win. That is a big win. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Thank you, Jenny and Tracy and all of you volunteers that helped with that. Uh, man, try something, and that's what we're doing Today, we're going to continue in our church series, and when I started putting this series together, you know, sometimes series come at you uh, in the form of, or sermon ideas, you know, you get them from, uh, sometimes you get it from other pastors, ooh, that'll work, I think I'll preach that one, you know, and, and put it in my own words or something, and sometimes you get them from articles you read, sometimes God gives you ideas that can spawn a series, and, and for me, as I began to look at this church series, I thought, man... Post-pandemic, I can't think of a better time to talk about what does the church do and what does it not do. And so the, the idea that I had, the first word picture that I had in my mind was an omelet. And you may have heard me mention that before, right? And, and I, you, may have, you probably don't remember, but I, I said to you as we were kind of announcing this series, have you, have you ever tried to make an omelet with a shovel? 
If you did, it's, it's not going to turn out white. You would never try to make an omelet that looks like that. And my omelets are good, but I don't know that they look that good. I make some pretty good ones, but, but the, the, that one's pretty amazing looking. But if I tried to make that with a shovel, it's not going to work because a shovel is just not what you make omelets with. And I think, as absurd as that image is, I think that so often we look at church and we wonder why we're frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. You know why? 100%. 100% of the people in this room. If you've never been frustrated with church, give it time. Give it time. It's coming. All right? It's coming. I, would, I, I actually wouldn't think you're, I, I would think you're not normal if, if you do not get frustrated with church. I mean, friends, anytime you put a bunch of people in a room in any organization, it's going to get weird in a hurry. Right? That's just, that's church life, right? That's what happens. But I think sometimes, as you've seen me mention before, the lenses that you look at something through dictate what you think about it. And, and so if your lenses are tainted, right, if your lenses are tainted or, or if somehow maybe those lenses aren't really accurate, they're not bad. But if your lens, if you, how you look at church and what you think a church should do, if it's not biblically accurate, well, you're going to make an omelet with a shovel. And don't, don't expect a good outcome when that happens. Last week, I, I talked about the church and those that lead it. And today, I'm going to just call that part two because I'm super creative that way, right? The church and, and those that lead it, part two. Because I, I really, as, and, and I, I, don't, I can't recall saying this that often at Clearview, but I would say to you, if you missed last week's church service or if, or if you missed the sermon, it's not that I, it's not that I really want you going and you know, listening to sermons because I think I'm just that good. I don't. But if you missed last week, go to our website or go to the apps, go on the iOS app or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please listen to last week's sermon. And, and it's not because it was, it was an amazing thing. It's that we, I really can't justify doing a, a, you know, six months on what is a church and what is not a church and not talk about the role of pastors and ministers. Because that's just, I mean, it's part of the deal. You're going to have to learn to function with us. We have to learn to function with you. We've got to learn to be one. And so, because if you were here last week, if you weren't, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but we tend to review, right? We tend to, we tend to review, uh, go to the next image for me. There we go. Yeah, that's kind of how we look at it in our souls, right? We kind of look at, you know, and when I think of churches, and now I see all these Yelp reviews on churches, and, you know, some of those are funny, by the way. Like, I mean... I haven't looked at our reviews in a while. But the very fact that you're reviewing a church, I don't know. That's just weird to me, right? You know, it's like, I, don't, I mean, it's so, there's so many different varieties of that stuff. And, you know, but some of the comments of church reviews I've read before, I read this one guy say someone told me that there's a better one down the street. I'm like, wow, okay. You know, it's, it's just interesting that, you know, we, we, we can review churches now. But, but, we, but you know what? Some people are just honest enough to put it online. We all do it, really. We all cast our vote based on the lenses that we look at through church life. And so last week we talked about some people think that, you know, ministers should be the spiritual CEO. That's a very common model right now, by the way. You know, the person that's gifted in finance and gifted in all kinds of abilities to lead administratively and then preach as well, too. It's like, you know, being the pitcher and the catcher, 
at the same time. That's kind of a popular model. Here's another one, though. Another popular model is the evangelist. You know, some people believe that the role of me and Graham and Shane and Alexis and on and on and on, that, that our role is, you know, we're door knockers. You know, we, if we're not going around knocking on doors, we're probably not doing it right. And so people, people review us in their minds based on whether or not we do it their way. Or here's a, here's a real popular one. These, the, the teacher theologian, right? I mean, that we, that we get into uh, all kinds of different issues theologically, and we do sometimes. I had a guy one time, he was really frustrated because uh, he, he felt like, uh, he, by the way, he wasn't the first person to ever, you know, listen, I ever say this about me. I, I have, nobody's ever accused me of being Spurgeon, okay? Like, never. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm into theological survival, I'm, I want to help you make it through your board meeting and your sales meetings and your parenting and your boyfriend relationships and your girlfriend relationship and how do you navigate algebra because God only knows we all need to navigate algebra better, you know, stuff like that. I'm helping you navigate those kind of things. That's my, my job. I'm not the pulpit professor, right? This guy, he's like, man, I'm, I'm frustrated because I want all these different things. And I'm like, man, you're describing a seminary course, like, I'm not going to go into the, the different aorist terms of the word overseer in the Greek language. By the way, aren't y'all glad? That would be awful. I wouldn't show up for that sermon, right? The only reason I did that stuff is because I had to to get graded on it, right? It's not that it's not important, but not everything needs to make it to the pulpit, right? So, so you know, I'm like, man, you got to understand, like, in, I said, even at Clearview, I'm like, in, Let's take this hour, like right here. I said, in the second service, I've got everything from 12-year-olds to 80-year-olds. I mean, we're talking like literally The Weeknd or Lawrence Welk, right? Those are bands. Or maybe, is he, what is The Weeknd? He's something. I, I think it's a person, but I'm not really sure. But you, you got, that's how wide the genre is. Some of you are going, Weekend like a Saturday, you know? <laughs> It's, Google it, you know. Um, so, you know, but that, it's this wide range of people. Like, I can't get into, like, the Greek heiress tense. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Some, some of you think uh, the shepherd, like we talked about some people want the shepherd, you know, who, and, and, and I talked to you about well, what, what does the shepherd actually do because we don't just, you know, pet sheep. And, and so that's what we talked about some last week, and this week we're going to continue into what do we actually do based on the, the Word of God. And so if you've got a Bible, go to Ephesians Ephesians, it's in the New Testament, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right in there. And we're going to look at chapter 4. This is a very famous passage, a very, very famous passage. Some of y'all are still surprised I knew the weekend who that was, aren't you? Like, oh, wow, our pastor's way more hip than we realized. I, I have students in my house. That's the only reason I know who the weekend is, okay? Um, I don't even know if they're that good, so just saying. But I am somewhat hip, at least that's how I'm... Hey, by the way, all of you Gen Xers like me, all of us in our 40s and 50s, you know how you know when you're not cool anymore, when you think you're cool and you don't know the names of bands? That's when you know time has passed you by, okay? When I was pastoring at Belmont one time, um, that somebody talked about dashboard confessionals, and I thought they were talking about like a psychology movement. Uh, literally, I was like, is that, is, that a, like, is that some new way? And they're like, that's a band, Pastor Jason. I'm like, oh, Okay. Because I realized they thought that, you know, Kansas and Boston and America were locations, um, you know. And, and so, you know, some of y'all are like, what is that? You know, really good. You know what that's called? Really good music, people. That's what that's called. Okay. I'm, go I'm totally off topic. Let's get into this thing. Here we go. Um, I had Sudafed today, if that helps you at all, you know. Yeah. 
here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. It says, verse 11, and he gave some as apostles. This is God who set it up. In fact, you know what? Let's back up to verse 10 because I think it matters here. It says, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. So this is coming from God that he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So here's, here's that, those are the offices and some, not all, but of the roles we play, verse 11. Then verse 12, here's kind of what we do. For the equipping of, that's coaching, I put it in modern day terms, that's for the coaching up of the saints, that's you, the holy ones. Saints just means the holy ones of God, that's you, Christ made you holy. For the coaching of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith. So here's the motive, he's getting into the motive now in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature person, to the measure of of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Very important verse right here, verse 14. And as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So what is he getting at right there? What, what's the idea? Now, I, I told you when we first started this series that I was going to spend some time occasionally talking to you about what a church does and what a church doesn't do, right? There are things we're called to do, and there are, th- there are also things we do that they're not good or bad. We just do them because churches do them. But here, I'm going to give you two key indicators of places that you will not see. If, and by the way, if you find this, I mean it. If you see this in the New Testament, tell me because I've never seen it. Sometimes I think we project onto the church things, or especially the, those, and I don't mean just me as the senior pastor. I'm talking about Graham and Alexis and Shane and the other Johns. All, all that. I mean, we, we have expectations that you, we hold, but in the New Testament, there are two key places in Ephesians 4 that you won't find us being held responsible for. Notice what he didn't say, that it's the role of the overseer to increase the crowds. You just won't find it. Now, don't, don't hear me say what I didn't say. I didn't say attendance isn't important. But you won't find anywhere in the New Testament that I found, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, 1 Peter, we, we're not called to grow attendance. You know why? Here's why. I can't make you come to church. I mean, I can't stroll up into Cottonwood and drag you out of house, you know, and make you come. I just can't do it. In fact, it's funny. There's, in my lifetime, in 30 years of ministry, there's basically three key areas that people measure churches if they're healthy. Buildings, budgets, baptisms. Buildings meaning attendance. Well, if attendance is up, it's got to be good. I can't make you come to church. Attendance. Giving. I can't physically make you give. Oh, believe me, I would if I could. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would kind of be fun. Messy, but fun. Buildings, budgets, baptisms. I can't make you share Jesus with people. I can't, I can't do it. I can do those things myself, but I can't, I can't force a congregation of people to do it. In fact, friends, I would go so far as to say to you, it's very important that you know this. Because see, in America, in America, we equate scale to good. 
We do. If it's big, it's got to be good, right? I don't care what it is. Typically, scale is good. But I'm going to say this to you, friends. If attendance is God's measurement of a healthy church, then I can tell you and I can point to you several various denominations that have massive churches full of heresy right now. I mean, let's face it, big doesn't mean better. Now, I'm not saying attendance doesn't matter, but I'm saying there's nowhere in the New Testament idea that we are called to increase crowds. I can't dictate that. Here's another one. I can't, yeah, go to the second one. You hit it. Provide spiritual goods and services. What I mean for that is a retail idea. It it was never intended inside the walls of the church. It was never intended that we are to provide retail services for Christians, meaning Christian products, Christian programming for Christian people on a Christian campus at a church. Because if that's the model that we use, then we're just going to die. Because we just inbreed. See, in the, in the New Testament, what you see is house churches, right? What you see is it, it, there was this, this whole campus thing was really more of an American movement. You don't see that in the book of Acts. In fact, let me just give you kind of an example here. So what you would have seen when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, let me put that in the modern day translation for you. It's like writing a letter to the church at Franklin. And and so so I would have gotten this letter from our apostle Paul. I would have read it to you guys. We would have studied it. I would have carried it to my buddy Mark Rampula. Hey, we got, we got a, a letter from the Apostle Paul. I would, I would have carried it to my buddy Rob Rogers over at Grace Chapel. I would have carried it to my buddy Darren Tyler at, at Conduit. And we, got, and we would have passed it around to house to house, house to house. That's typically... Now, they went to temples, sure, but the, the common model was a house church. That's what, that's what happened. So it's never in, in the New Testament idea that we are the spiritual concierges to make life better for Christian people. Oh, do we want to make life better? Well, of course we do. Do we want to give programming? Well, of course we do. But all of that has a reason. So let's look now, let's investigate just some, some of the ideas of exactly why God wants us to do what he's calling us to do. And I would say to you, here, here's the reason God gives you overseers. That's what, the word I'm going to use today, overseers. Out of love, it starts with his great love for us. God loves you, and he gave you guides. Don't forget that. Okay, God loves you and he gave you guides. Historically speaking, from the beginning of time, from Abraham to Moses to keep on going, God always tends, I say always, it always seems to me anyway, that he never called his people to something and didn't give them a guide. He gave them a guide to steer. Now, sometimes that comes in the form of a prophet Sometimes it comes in the form of an evangelist. Sometimes it comes in the the form of an apostle. But Abraham, a leader of a movement, Moses, God's people were in trouble. He went and got them. He brought them. He gave them guides. See, God God loves you, and he he doesn't want to leave you without guides. And that's why you need a church family. You need a church family. And we're going to talk, we're talking about this morning, why that's so important out of God's love for you, historically, he's given you guides. Look at what he says on the screen in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Okay, it says, But we request of you, brothers, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions so that you esteem them very highly in love. 
because of their work, live in peace with one another. See, I, I didn't. Now, I would. I love that verse because it tells y'all to, hey, be nice to us. You know, kind of. That's what it's saying in short. Be kind. Respect those. That, you know. But why? Because it's that. It's that key phrase in the Lord. God gave you overseers. So I don't care what church you go to, if you stay at Clearview or if you don't, I don't if, you, if you don't get this part right, you're going to carry it with you to other churches. And you're always going to be frustrated. You're going to make an omelet with a shovel. And you're going really, to be really torn up inside because you're asking ministers to do for you what God really hasn't called us to do. But he has called us to be overseers. And he do, he's done it so that you can have people to help you navigate life. And here's two key ways. Number one, God gave me overseers to push me toward my calling. That's why he, he gave you overseers. To, and this is taken out of Ephesians 4. Now, I'm not making this up. This is the word of God here. Ready? Here we go. He gave me overseers to pursue my calling. Look at what it says. He gave some to be apostles, verse 11, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. That, that, those are kind of the offices. Not all, but most. Now he tells you what we do. He told you who we are, now he's telling you what we do. And what we do is we, I'm going to give you Jason's version, ver, uh, translation, verse 12. For the equipping, that's the word for coaching, of the saints, that's all y'all. For the works of service, that is get in the game. That's what we do. We're there to coach you up and help you find your calling. You hear us say it at Clearview all the time that we really believe that God made you for a reason. God did not put you on this planet just because he needed another female. Right? He didn't do that. God didn't put you on this planet because he needed another person walking the earth with brown hair. Right? He didn't do that. He, he birthed you for a reason. And, and for that purpose, you need people to help you find it. So look at what it says right there. It says, for the equipping, yeah, go back there, you go. For the equipping of the saints, he gave you these types of people apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the coaching up of the people. But for what? For the work of ministry right? Meaning that it was never in God's heart that you sit still while I instill. That was never God's heart. It was never God's heart that you just sit and soak. My, our role, my role, Shane's role, Graham's role, Alexis's role, our role is not to make you more Bible smart. Our role is to coach you up in the Lord to find your calling and then go do it to actually go do it, to execute the kingdom of God into motion, into real time. So think, think of it this way. We're, we're a sports culture, right? I mean, I love sports. If you're new to Clearview today, probably, I don't know, 97% of the sermons I preach, there is going to be a sports reference somewhere. It's how I think. I can't divorce it from my mind, and I just stopped trying, right? It's how sports taught me about myself. It taught me about life. I mean, it just to this day, you know, and I'm still a legend in my own mind in sports, and, uh, you know, I really am, but it, you know, if, you, hey, if you don't believe it about yourself, nobody else is going to believe it for you, right? So I'm, I'm just going to say it right out of the gate. I'm a way better golfer in my head than I was when I played, actually, so. But our role is to be that of a coach, but I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine we were a baseball team, right? And me and Shane, and Graham, Alexis, John, Jenny, Tracy, Kim Margrave, we're the coaches, 
and it's time to play baseball, and everybody puts on their uniform. We all get all cleated up. We warm up. We're doing our wind sprints on the field, and we're all out there, and we're doing the thing, and it's time to go, and nobody leaves the bench. We would say, hey, y'all got to play. Oh, we do? Yeah. I mean, it's it's an absurd picture, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Can you imagine going to a Predators game and the Predators are sitting there going, yeah, you know, I just, I don't know, I feel like I should know more. I I just, you know, imagine Mike Fisher just going, yeah, I don't know. I just, I need to know more, right? Imagine LeBron James going, I just need better theological understanding of the free throw before I actually go out there and do it, right? It's absurd. The reason that athletes practice is not to practice. They practice so they get a chance to play. That's the payoff. So what we're doing is we're we're here to coach you to find your calling. This whole idea of consumering goods and retail Christianity, friends, I want to say something to you. It is killing American churches. It is killing American churches. God did not put you on the planet just to be really great at church attendance. You don't even, look, can we at least admit, you don't even need Jesus to be good at church attendance. Do you? No, you don't. God put you on the planet to do something with your life. Don't waste your life. He puts you on the planet. And so we're there to push you, man. Hug you, pull you, push you. From time to time, grab your face mask and yell at you. Not really. I was, I was just seeing if y'all were awake. I didn't know if y'all were. Yeah. We, we don't want to get into that. Because then y'all put it on Facebook, and then we get in all kinds of mess. And, right? That was a pretty funny joke. Y'all didn't give me much on that, but that was pretty good in my mind. God gave me overseers to push me in my calling. But there's another thing that he did. God, God gave me overseers to protect me from spiritual enemies. I'm going to tell you why this matters. Because it actually matters a lot. Now, in verse 11, Paul tells you who we are. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He tells you who we are. In verse 12, he tells you what we do. But in verse 14, he tells you why we do it. So that as a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, that is, any popular new idea, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But we are to speak the truth in love so we grow up in Christ. God gave you overseers to protect you from spiritual enemies, and those are the enemies of the worst kind because spiritual enemies are there to infect how you think and move through life. So notice what Paul did. Do you notice right out of the gate in verse 14? What does he point to? He points to kids. We are no longer to be children. What are children? Vulnerable, right? Kids are vulnerable. Children are so vulnerable. But what he's talking about adults. So what's he saying? He's saying grow up in Christ. You have to be biblically literate to this word. I want to say something to you, friends. There has never been a time in American history that the American Christian church, regardless of denomination, we are more biblically illiterate right now than we've ever been. We are biblically illiterate. And if you don't know the word of God, somebody's going to take advantage of you. 
Your enemy, the devil, is going to put thoughts into your head and you don't have the tools to combat it because you don't know who the word says you are. I mean, this stuff matters. We want you to be biblically literate, not to be Bible smart. We want you to be biblically literate so that you literally don't break your leg and fall off in a ditch and ruin your life. God gave you overseer to respect. So, so he starts out with kids, right? Verse, verse 14, they're vulnerable. In, in what way? He said, now notice he says, verse 14, tossed here and there by ways. He gives you like this whole idea of a ship. And y'all, how many of y'all get motion sickness? Raise your hands really high. Ooh, we need to start putting Dramamine out, you know, or something, you know. So it's, it's, it's rough, man, for those of you that get it. Yeah, my wife gets it really bad. And uh, so he, that, that's the idea. Whoa, the disorientation. So one, one of your spiritual enemies is confusion. Confusion coming at you from pop culture. Constantly telling you what you should believe. You ever notice that about pop culture? Constantly telling you what you should believe. Constantly telling your kids what they should believe. Constantly trying to get in your head, get in your, get in your mind. So it says we're to be mature in Christ, verse 14, so that we won't be tossed here and there by every type of teaching and doctrine and trickery in this world because it's disorienting. It's disorienting. Our job as ministers is to constantly hold the biblical line, hold the line, right, so that we tell you what truth is and we tell you and teach you how to spot truth from error because what you believe, listen to me, what you believe dictates how you act, right? I believe I need to eat lunch, and I'm going to in a little bit, right? I believe certain things, and it makes me do certain things. We're here to help protect you, walk alongside you, help you know truth from error, love you when you're down, pull you when you're lazy, push you when you're confused, protect you. When you're being attacked, that's what we do. That's what we do. And I want to tell you something. It's a little touchy, a little bit touchy. But I'm going to tell you when your church staff, when our, all of our ministers, as a staff, me, Shane, Nancy, Kim, all of us, we protected you back in 2020 when this pandemic thing hit. And let me tell you how we did it. Now, now be real careful or you're going to misquote me and then, then we're, going to not, we're going to be weirdness when we see each other at Connors and I'm not going to know how to deal with you, right? So don't, don't misquote me. Pay, pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. COVID was, a, was the weirdest thing ever, right? I mean, I love that picture because it's like, that, that's kind of, yeah. None of us knew what to do. At, at first, like, is the black death coming? I, I don't know anybody in this room that hasn't been affected by COVID either having had it, my family had it, we've lost really good friends, some of you lost really good loved ones. I mean, it, nobody's denying what the, the COVID was, was, was a strange thing, but there was something else that happened in COVID that your church had to step into and protect you from because we saw it playing out in real time. There, there were, in my, in my estimation, there were really kind of three different types of people in, in COVID. And it's just, this is just my own word picture, but, but uh, and I heard a guy use it this way. I thought, that's the, that's the best description I've ever heard of COVID. There, there were green light people, 
you know, the green light people were like, no, we, we should never shut down anything. It's, it's a pandemic. Just keep moving. Keep going. Herd immunity. And you, you know, that was your, you held on that. You know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and, and there's just don't shut down another, whatever. And then, and then that was green light people. And then there were red light people who wanted to move to Antarctica, right? I mean, really? And, and you're not bad for wanting to move. To, I mean, I get it. Just get away from the thing, man. You know, get away from it. Move to Antarctica. There's like seven of you. Maybe you'll make it, right? There were some people that were that panicked over it. We saw terror alive in the human population like we've never seen it in our lives. I've never seen a population of people so afraid. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting psychology, and it'll be studied for years. And then there were yellow light people. And, and, and that was many of us. You know, we were kind of like, ah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I... I've got diabetes. Should I be worried? Or I don't know. Some of you in the healthcare industry, man, it was a different deal for y'all because because you have you have to work in it. You you can't. It's just not. It's not as it was. It was harder. Maybe the hardest on the healthcare professionals. God love you people for what you had to put up with. I mean, it was brutal for y'all. So you were in the middle going, nah, you know, and then there were times, some of you were all three. Uh, some days, um, Mondays, I'm a red light person. Wednesdays, I'm went yellow light. And on weekends, I'm like, ah, I just want to go play golf, right? So that was COVID, the disease, the pandemic. But there was something else happening in COVID too. And that's where I began to notice there was something very spiritual about COVID because fear can do that. And what we began to see was that all of a sudden, and I'm not saying this to the person, but I'm telling you what happened in America at least, is the only country I could speak to. What you began to see was the average American citizen looking to their government for answers instead of their God. And that was a problem because I got a, I got a friend of mine. Um, he's close friends with a, a pastor in Haiti. And, and he said, all of us Haitians always, uh, we always laugh at you uh, Americans because we gave up trusting our government a long time ago. <laughs> you know, like, I can't believe y'all still trust anybody. Uh, by, by the way, my parents were paid by the government for years. So if you're a government worker, hey, they, they you know, paid, got put food on my table for a long time. So I'm just saying, let's, let's just face it, man. If you're looking to the federal government, Republican, Democrat, anything, if you're, if, you know, if you're looking to that, you're, 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 it can get weird in a hurry, right? It can get weird in a hurry. So you began to see, though, all of a sudden, Christians looking to their government on how to exercise their faith. And that's when your staff, for this group of people, that's when we stepped up. And we said, look, regardless of what you believe about COVID, whether you're a green light person, a red light person, or a yellow light person, here's one thing that we're not going to do. And we were unified. Now, we had all of our arguments and our debates and trying to figure out the best way to do it. But we, listen, there is no place in the New Testament where the government gets to tell the church anything. Anything. Now, we are called to work alongside our government. Absolutely. We are called in some cases to be subject to, meaning willing 
to fall under the authority of our governments, up until the places that it violates the very nature of what they're called to do. And I knew it was coming, and it did. Let me tell you, many of y'all don't even know this. Listen, in, in, in the year 2020, I preached about culture, government, politics, sovereignty, biblical oversight, city. I preached more on government issues and pop culture issues in one year than I did on the 29 years combined. Because that's what you were dealing with. Constantly. You were, you, you, you were bombarded from all sides. And, and nobody's saying that you shouldn't have been scared. I mean, COVID was real. But here's my point. There was something happening in, 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 in the church world where churches and pastors began to let the government tell them when and where they could worship, how they could worship, what they could worship. And let me tell you, this wasn't just happening in Maryland and Vermont and Maine and California, Okay. Let me tell you, for the first time, for the first time since I was 19 years old, I started preaching when I was 18 years old. For the first time since I was 18, my knees buckled a minute. Because right up I-40 in Knox County, Tennessee, I read the ordinance with my own eyes. I didn't take anybody's word for it. I went to the County Board of Health. I read the ordinance. I looked at it myself. And the County Board of Health told all churches, wait for it, you cannot take communion and you cannot baptize because it isn't essential to religious expression. That happened. A couple hours up the road. That had nothing to do with a pandemic. It had everything to do with how far can we go. How far can we go? So now... The Knox County Board of Health is telling me how to interpret Matthew? Oh, that's when I'm going to fight. If you came looking for a fight, you came to the right person on that one. Because I'm going to fight. Because let me tell you something, it won't be the last time, friends. It'll be a different issue, but it won't be the last time. It won't be the last time, and I don't care. Listen, I mean it. This doesn't make me a hero. It doesn't make me special. I'm telling you as your pastor, if you choose to keep going to church here, there, I don't care if we're down to four people. There will never be a time where I will let our government tell us anything about how to run this place. Ever. Ever. I'm serious. Do I want to be a good teammate? Yes, man. Absolutely. But when you're down, listen, we played ball for eight weeks or so because we didn't know. We didn't want to be cavalier or dangerous. We didn't know. But once we saw, oh, this thing's going to hit us for years, what do we do? We did the best we could. And by the way, I want to give you, all, I want to give you guys a thanks. Seriously, you guys treated us great during COVID, and you really did. There were many of you that were like, nah, I'm a red light person. Awesome. I mean, you, you know, but you know what you didn't do? You didn't, you didn't like demand, you know, I'm going to stop tithing if you don't become a red light person. You know, there were some of you that were green light people. You never said, well, I'm never coming back because you're green, you know, you're not a green light person. You, you guys treated us great through that. We were doing the best we could to do all we could. But I'm telling you, in that moment... Your staff protected you 
See, it's, and here's why. Listen to me now. Here's the reason why I bring this up. Read the last book. It doesn't get easier. It's going to happen again. You hear me, Christians? It's going to happen again. Oh, it may not be a condemning pandemic, you know, like taking over the whole world and shutting us down. It will happen again. It'll look different. It'll be different. But it'll happen again. And it'll happen again. And it'll happen again. And it'll happen again. And you're going to see that Jesus wasn't just having a bad day when he said, oh, they're going to hate you. What's going to happen when they say, watch it. Mark my words. What is today? July something. Oh, my gosh. I can't even see my watch. Um, 23. Y'all could have told me I had to go embarrassing myself right there. July 23, 24. Oh, my watch is off. Thanks, Joe. That's why I love Joe. We all love Joe. July 24. Mark my words. I've told my wife and kids, in my lifetime, you need to fully expect me or people like me to be arrested for hate speech because they are going to try to pass laws that if we do not embrace pop culture thought on everything from LGBTQ values to Jesus is not the only way to you must be tolerant of Buddha you must be tolerant of Vishnu you must be tolerant of Muhammad there is coming a day in America where people like me and many, many, many people like me are going to be arrested for hate speech. You need to be ready for that. You need to be ready for that. And then we're really going to find out. Then we're really going to find out how much you love Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. I would rather God kill me than to back up off of that. I'm not going to do it. It will happen again. It will happen again. And our job is to help guide you, not pick fights, not be, you know, that church that's always messing with the government. Oh, come on. Who has time for that? We're, we're, we're not talking about that. What we are talking is our job is to protect you, to keep you, help you moving, giving you a place to be your overseers. And I think, so let's go back to this verse in First Thessalonians. Because I kept wondering all week. When I looked at that verse, I kept thinking, it ends weird. It kind of ends weird for me. So we request of you, brothers, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. That is, respect them and have charge over you in the Lord and that you esteem them. That is, you respect the, the overseers because of their love and because of their work. But then he says, live in peace with one another. And I kept thinking, why... Why did he say that? Why, why was it that way? Because I'll tell you why. I think. As society gets harder, and as we become more ostracized, and as we hold the biblical line and don't back up an inch, it's not going to shock me if that crowd gets smaller. That could be possible. And the last thing we have to, that we can do in, in those moments is to divide ourselves over trivia. 
See, that's one of the things I think that helped us so much in COVID. See, the average American church, Barna, depending on who you're looking at, Gallup, the average American church is 35 to 50% smaller, depending on who you read. And those numbers are still fluctuating and climbing a little bit, but let's put it this way. The church is way thinner than it was before COVID as a whole. And as, as persecution begins to come and as times get harder and things get harder and more weird, the, the thing that we can't do is divide ourselves. And let me tell you, at Clearview, you guys did a great job. You did a great job of staying together. Even if you were like, hey, I've got a pre-existing health condition or, hey, I'm a healthcare worker, I cannot come for a while. You know, you guys did a great job of staying in tune and, and staying in, in, in body life. We, I think we did a really good job of that as a whole. I really do think you guys did a great job of that. But I want to tell you, the reason it, it matters that we live in peace with one another is because those that God has given you as overseers are doing the best they can to help us move forward and stay together when times get really, really hard. And times are going to get really, really hard again. They're going to get really, really hard again and again and again. That's going to keep happening, friends. And we have to stay together, live in peace with one another. We are for each other. And the thing that breaks my heart so much about what you see in the modern Christian church today and people just swapping churches all the time or getting mad and all this stuff, I'm, I constantly am going, do you all realize that like, out of a thousand topics or a thousand things, if they just call them a, a thousand things, we agree on 999 of them. Why do we have to divide over what is minutia at times? Just minutia. See, I think, and this is just Jason, by the way, and I, I work really hard to keep just my personal opinions out of the pulpit, but I'm going to tell you this time. In my opinion, take COVID off the plate for a second. Just forget that it was the pandemic, okay? Let, let, whatever, whatever that subject was that we dealt with in 2020, I think it was just a really good test run. I think it was a good beta test. To see what the church, I'm not saying God did it. For me, it was like, this is interesting. Let's see what the church can hold up under. What can we hold up under? Because it won't be masks next, next time and who wears them and who doesn't, or vaccines and who wears them and who doesn't. It won't be social distancing and who's willing to do it and who's not. It won't be drive through church. Remember drive through church? Sounds like it, yes, yeah. It won't be that stuff. It'll be worse next time. And I'm telling you, we have to be together in this room. We have to be together in the body of Christ because there is strength in that. The, the, the Christian church ran to each other in persecution. The Old Testament Hebrew ran to each other, and that is coming, friends. And that is why God gave you overseers to guide you, to push you, and protect you. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. 
Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.